us, Lord. May that be our prayer this morning. That as we, as we surrender to you, as we turn our attention towards you and, and what you were doing and what you were saying to us, that we would get to know you more. That we would become more like you. So Lord, I pray as we, we open your words today. Your word, which is a, a, alive and active. God, we pray that we would know you more through that. Continue to grow us and transform us to become more and more like you. We praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can uh, take a seat. Is this uh, when I get really pumped up this morning? <laughs> so good. <laughs> Sorry, Josh, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> no self-control. No, you probably should take it. <laughs> Things might get messy. But uh, it, is, it is so good to, to be gathered today. And uh, if we haven't met before, my name's Ryan and, and part of the, the team here. And I uh, wanted to, to share a, a message with you guys today uh, out, of, out of the book of John. Uh, and just a, a few short verses today. Verse, we're going to be going verse 43 to, to 50. And just looking at a, a man's encounter with Jesus and, and kind of what happens in his life. There's a saying uh, that gets used quite often um, in, in, you know, in our society, in our world, and it's this, this idea of, I'll believe it when I see it. Has anyone, has anyone heard that before? Believe it when I see it. There's also the, the idea of, I see it, but I don't believe it. This gets used in sport quite a lot. Someone will do something freakish, and the, the comment will be, I, I see it, and I don't believe it. But there's a third one up on the, the screen today that I want to look at, and it's this. It's, believe it before you see it. And see, all of these interactions, these little phrases, uh, come across people's different act. Uh, interactions, I don't know why I'm tripping over my words, interactions with Jesus. And so some people would go and be, I believe in you once I see you do something. Give me a sign, show me something, and I'll believe in you. Some people will be like, oh, I see what you did for me there, and I, and I appreciate it, but I still don't believe you are who you say you are. So I see it, but I, I, I choose not to believe it. But there's a third way of interacting with Christ, which is this idea today and what we're going to be looking at is that I'll believe it even though I can't see it. And so we're going to have a look at this man who comes to Jesus, and we'll start here. It says, after the two days, this is Jesus, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out, the prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. Remember Jesus' first miracle, turns water into wine at the wedding, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. See, Jesus has different ways of interacting with us. In, in, in our story, we will we'll come to know Jesus in, in different ways. There'll be different situations and circumstances that lead us to Jesus. For this man, what brought him to Jesus was the need for a miracle. He needed a miracle. We read here that his, his son was sick, close to death. He hears about Jesus, would have heard, and the, the, the writer here del deliberately mentions that this is where he turned water into wine. He'd done a miracle before. He was getting a reputation as a man who could heal, who could do miracles. And so this guy hears it, son's on his deathbed. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to beg him. So there's a need for a miracle that puts this man in front of Jesus. This is the context. He is desperate for his son. So he goes to Jesus, he begs him, he can picture it, runs to Jesus, finds him. Jesus, my son, he's sick, I, I, I need a miracle. Could you, could you heal him? 
And this is how Jesus chooses to respond. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Please, Jesus, I know you're capable of healing my son. Could you do it? I'm desperate. And Jesus doesn't just address him, but he addresses the crowd and goes, without a miracle, you guys will never believe. Without seeing signs and wonders, you, you won't believe. Kind of almost, it's almost like that push away, like, no. But the royal official replies and said, sir, come down before my child dies. I love his response. He doesn't try to argue with Jesus. He doesn't try and go, oh, if you just do it, I'll believe. He's just, please, sir, just come now. I'm, I'm desperate for you to heal my son. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and he departed. This is where this idea of believing it before you see it comes into play. He goes to Jesus, as we've seen, needs that healing. Jesus kind of rebukes him and goes, you're just here because you want a sign or a wonder or a miracle. And the only way you people are gathering around me and, and, and seeing me and, and following me is because you want to see signs and wonders. Will you ever believe if you don't? And he almost kind of replies, like, I know you can do it, so would you please come? And then Jesus does something very obscure and sends him away and goes, just go, your son's been healed. He'll be fine, trust me, go. You know, the idea of signs and wonders mentioned in here, there's a couple of words and I'm not even going to try to pronounce them, or, or, but Rod, if we could, we could put them up there, if they're, if they're there. The, there they are, signs and wonders. In, in John, they're not used together. They're not used like this, but signs often, you know, Jesus performed signs and, and we hear miracles and wonders, but there was this idea going around that he was just a, a miracle worker, a magician, someone who, would, who, who could just heal, he, he could do things, and so people would go to him to, to get that. But he uses these two together in the, in the context of going, if you think I'm a magician, I'm not. If you think I'm just someone who can perform miraculous acts, I'm not. If you think I'm someone who can just come and I can do all of these things and I can heal the sick, but I'm more than just a magician. I'm more than someone who's here to offer signs and wonders. And when he says that to the man, he's, you people won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. What you're after is almost like this circus show, this magician to come around and do all these things for you. That is not who I am. I turned water into wine. It wasn't a magical act. It wasn't part one of my show. But actually, there's far more to me and belief in me than just signs and wonders. So he's almost rebuking this idea that you need to see something to believe it, that you need Jesus to do something for you before you will believe in him. See, the man, I believe, comes to him with this idea of a desperate faith. It's the desperate need for a miracle that puts the man, as we mentioned, in front of Jesus. But what I think Jesus is trying to move him from is this idea of a desperate faith, a desperate need, what's right in front of him, to a deliberate faith. See, often when a, a, a sign or wonder was performed, and whether it was by you know, Jesus or, or someone who could have magical power to do things, they would have to be in the room. They would come, they would, their presence would be there, their presence would be felt, and they would perform the miraculous act. Jesus, again, flips it on his head and says, you know what, I don't, I don't need to be there, go. I don't need to walk to your house. It's not about my presence being there. I have the power to heal, so there's your issue. But now you've got a choice. Do you believe that your son is well? See, sometimes we can read these scriptures and it's a little bit like a, an episode of Seinfeld. 90% of the chaos in Seinfeld, if you're a Seinfeld fan, would be solved with what? A mobile phone. <laughs> Think about it. I can't find my car. A mobile phone. 
I, I need you to cover me for a job interview. Quick text message. Like everything that happens in Seinfeld, all the, could be a mobile phone. See, the guy didn't, Jesus didn't say go. <laughs> Pick up, and he picks up his phone just to check. Hey, is my son good? He has to go home. He doesn't jump in his car and drive home. Oh, yeah, I'll just pop around the corner, back where I came from. Oh, yeah, if he's not all good, I'll go back and tell Jesus. Like, no, it's a, he's made a journey to get there. And so he approaches Jesus with his desperation. But does he stay desperate and, and beg Jesus and go, no, I, I really think it's better if you come? Or is there some deliberate faith that says, all right, now my faith is a choice. Because Jesus has sent me away and said it's going to be okay. He's delivered the promise, but he's not coming. That's unusual. What do you mean you're not coming with me? You've got to trust. So your faith needs to go from a, a point of desperation, I need you, Jesus, I need you to do something for me, to I'm going to believe you are who you say you are, that you're not just a magician, you're not just a, a performer of signs and wonders, you're not just a, a street act that will do things, but actually you are who you say you are, and that you can send your presence to heal my boy, and so I'll make a choice to go. Deliberate faith. So I believe what we need to be as followers of Christ is this idea of people who have a deliberate faith. Not a, a I come to Jesus when things aren't going so well, or I go to him when they're going really well, because it's easy to celebrate sometimes when you're up top. And it's really easy to go to him when you're desperate, like, Jesus, I just, I need a miracle. But the question we have to ask is, who serves who here? Who serves who? Do, do we serve Jesus? Or does he serve us? See, desperate faith would say, Jesus, you serve me. Because I, I need you to do something. Oh, it's time to pray. Here's, here, here's my shopping list. If you could just perform the signs. And, and we all, I, I, I do this. I pray and sometimes I've got to stop myself and go, stop asking. But actually, am I listening? What is my belief around who Jesus is and how he interacts in my life? You know, I often sometimes, as a, as a parent, I don't know if anyone else gets this, but you find yourself getting frustrated at your children. Is there any? No hands. Seriously. Yeah, I see that hand. Sleep deprivation will get you. But often I ask my kid, I'm like, do you know I don't work for you? Six-year-old? Like, I don't have an employment contract with you by which I will do everything that you ask me to when you ask me to do it. Like, you know, you get home from work, you sit down, you're like, ah, oh, can I have this? I just sat down. I need my water bottle. Well, you, where'd you leave it? I don't know. Can you find it? Can you find it? <laughs> you put it down somewhere. I don't work for you. Now, I love my kids, and I'm here to serve them and help them and, and, and take them on a journey, and I'm not saying they're there to serve me. That's the, the broken part of this illustration, but we approach Jesus sometimes like that, don't we? Oh, can I have this? Uh, Jesus, where's my drink bottle? Jesus, where's my pay rise? I'm waiting. Can you just do it already? And he's like, no, you serve me. There's a, a great show I love called The West Wing. I don't know if there's any, like, West Wing fans. It's, I know Rod's a West Wing fan at the back. But whenever in that show the, the, the president asks them to do something they don't want to do, there's this line that gets used all the time. It says, I serve at the pleasure of the president. And they're like, we're going to change you into this role. I don't want to do that. And he's a bit like, well, like, yeah, but I... Or he'll be like, you're going to do this now. Is that okay? And they're like, I serve at the pleasure of the president. Like, my job is to serve you. 
So what you ask me to do, I will do. You know, we serve at the, the pleasure of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he doesn't exploit us. And he's not there to, to put burdens and hardship on us and make us do things we don't want to do and, and ruin our lives. He's actually there to help us go forward in our relationship. He actually talks about his burden being light and his yoke being easy and walk with me and work with me in the scriptures. But if we live in this desperate faith, we're just waiting for him to serve us. And we don't get anywhere. We don't move forward. And we just see him like this miracle worker. And so this man is left with this decision. Am I here with a man who's just here to serve me? Serve my agenda? Bail me out and save my son? Now, I, I, I resonate with that. If that was my son and there was someone who could do something, I would be on my bike. I'd be going. I'd be pleading. I'd be begging. I'd be asking. I'd probably be trying to negotiate. Ever negotiated with God before? God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. If you give me a pay rise, I'll give you more money. If my boss somehow says I can get full pay at three days a week, I'll even help out at church. There's this negotiate. I, I would be negotiating. But Jesus just says to him, look, just, just, it's not about, if it's not about the sign, go. And your son will be well. There's a promise there for him. And he is left with a choice. Do I stay or do I go? Reading the, the scriptures, we'll, we'll, we'll follow on here in, in verse 51. It says, while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. And it wraps up with, this is the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Water in a wine, kind of a little bit of that entertaining miracle, if you will, to saving a boy's life. But I love this picture of the man going, all right, I'm going to start my journey home. I'm going to put some deliberate faith into play. While he's on the journey, his servants meet him and say, your boy, he's good. Like there's a celebration that takes place. And I love that he has to do a little reference check. What time did he come good? One o'clock. What time did I see Jesus? It was one o'clock. Instant. Promise of Jesus. Instant. Heals his son. There's a celebration. Because of what has happened, not only does he believe, but his whole household believes. And it's not a Jesus coming and there being a big following and a big show and all these people gather around and he, and he does this miracle and it all looks fancy and then they all believe because they all see it. It's one man's desperate faith in a Jesus that he probably didn't know much about, having an interaction with him and then choosing to deliberately go and obey. And that obedience and that trust and that deliberate act of faith saves him and his household. And his son lives. So imagine if he had stayed and argued, all the, all the different things that could have happened, what might have resulted. But what results in this man's household today is not just a miracle where someone lives, but a miracle where a family receive eternal life because of a man's deliberate act of faith. Now, I don't know where you are in your, your journey of faith or, or where you might be, what you might be believing for, what, what you might be asking God for, what you're what your next step might even be. 
But here's what I do know, is that things operate, and we'll, we'll finish on this one, is that things operate in God's timing, not ours. God's timing, not ours. See, I love this picture that he has to walk back home. I was having a look at what that walk was because I was curious about kind of, you know, was it just around the corner? How far, how far away was it? And the walk was estimated to be 18 to 22 miles for the Americans out there, for the Australians out there. That's, I had to Google this, 29 to 35 kilometers he had to walk. Now, this is not like nice footpaths and, you know, he couldn't drive the 35 kilometers. It's not like here to the city in the car. Imagine walking kind of like here to the city. And it was in the afternoon, so also they believe it would have taken a night stop. So he's walking to get home. Remember, his, his son was dying when he left. Jesus said he's going to be okay. He has no, no telephone, can't whip off a fax or a page, no email, no car. He just has to walk. Imagine how lonely that walk would be. Even if you had people with you, imagine the walk. The guy said he's going to be okay. Like the desperation that he experienced before Jesus with no, no answer. Just go, he'll be well. What does that mean? Will he be well immediately? Is he just going to get better? Is he going to be sick for a long period? Like, what's it going to be? Oh, I just have to walk. Oh, well, it's dark. Time for a night stop. Stays overnight, gets up. And finally, his servants meet him. And he receives the good news of his son being healed. You know, so often our faith, when it's this, you serve me, and it's, and it's desperate, and it's, I need this, and I, we want it straight away. We want the promise straight away. You know, what I, I love about this story is the promise did happen straight. It was instant. Jesus promised it, and it was there. And what some people, I feel like you need to realize today is that there's things that you're hoping for in your life and believing for in your life and think that God has spoken to you about. If that's the case, it's happened. You're just not there yet. If Jesus promises something to you and there's a, there's a call in your life, it, the promise is there. He's made it. He doesn't make promises that he doesn't deliver on. Now, sometimes we might hear incorrectly, but when God makes us a promise, his word is yes and amen. But are you on the first kilometer of your 35-kilometer walk? Are you five kilometers in? Are you at your night stop? Where are you on that journey? What I would encourage you to do today is just keep walking. So often it's the hardship and the, the suffering of our, our life and what we see in our world and when things don't go to plan and when they don't seem to be right and Jesus doesn't offer to come and heal our son in, in front of everyone and, and do it the way we thought it would happen. We want to throw in the towel and give up. Maybe we get a bit disgruntled and go, Jesus isn't who he said he was. Because look, I think about in my own life where I've done this so many times, I think I'm ready for something. Like I get a sense from Jesus, this is going to, and I, I'm like, I, I, I kind of want it now. It's like when you see a, a, a new iPhone in the shop and you're looking at your banged up one, you're like, I just want that new one. I want to go get it right now. Like I want it now. We live in a place where we want it now. My kids don't even like watching TV with the antenna anymore because they can't choose what's on. I'm like, just go and put it on 22, ABC Kids. There'll be something good on there. No, I want to choose. I want to watch Bluey now. Like Bluey's on at 8 a.m. We watch Bluey and we go to school. That's the routine. 8 a.m. Bluey, bags on school. Yeah, but if you give me your iPad, I can watch six episodes of Bluey right now. Yeah, but I don't want you to watch six. I want you to watch one and I want you to go to school. Isn't that the way we operate? I feel like there's this thing that God has for me. Or I believe that there's going to be a, a divine miracle in my life. Or I, I believe this is going to, going to happen. Or as a result of my faith, life is going to look like this. And it doesn't. 
And yes, it's disheartening. And I'm not trying to make light of people's bad situations because we live in a gritty world where it's not always easy. But Jesus promises things to us. And so often in my journey, I want it now. And then when I get it, I realize why I shouldn't have got it. I realized why I needed to walk another 20 kilometers because I wasn't ready for that. The promise was, here's where you're going. Here's what's going to happen. It's in front of you. But if I give it to you now, you'll crash the car. You've got to go on the journey. You've got to walk your 35 kilometers. And then you receive what I have for you. The boy was healed when Jesus said he was healed. The test of faith for the man was, would he own it and trust Jesus and go? My question to you is, wherever you are in your faith, on your walk, do you trust him? Is there a deliberate faith around your life? Do you live life genuinely to go, I serve you? My role in life is to serve God. In the context that I'm in, in the place that I'm in, in the household I'm in, in the workplace that I'm in, my, my context is I'm a servant of Jesus. As a part of True North Church, I am a servant of Jesus. And I'm deliberately walking in the direction that I feel that he's calling me in. And if that's you and you just feel like you've been walking, I just encourage you, just keep, keep taking a step. Not to throw it in this morning, not to, to let frustration get in the way, not to let de- desperate faith guide you. But the deliberate faith of going day in, day out, I'm just going to serve my Lord and Saviour. And I'm just going to do what he puts in front of me and trust that he is good and trust that his word is good and trust that his promises are true. And whatever else comes along the way, I'm just going to take it in my stride. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep serving my Lord. And please hear me today. Asking God for things is not wrong. Praying prayers to him is, and asking him to intervene in situations and circumstances, you know, praying for blessing, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all it is, it's just a transaction. We've got to listen to him. You know, he deliberately gave him an instruction. He didn't just act on his desperation. He's like, you can go. Walk in it. We're called to walk in it. Called to journey with him. And so wherever you're at, whatever life looks like for you, I'd love to pray for you today. And we're just going to sing this, this song again. And I'd love just to have a moment of worship. And I, and I do love the, it's funny how the, things change and, and situations happen. We sing this song, I Surrender, this morning. It's about surrendering to God. That He would work in and through us. And I just wonder today if maybe you need to change your mindset a little bit on who Jesus is. Maybe you've got a little bit of that kind of desperate faith, kind of, no one would ever say this, but your, your interactions with God is that Jesus is here to kind of serve my life and make it better. And maybe for you, it's, it's flicking that switch and going, as I serve you, my life gets better. As I serve you, my life becomes more about the things that you have for me. But I truly got a sense praying that I, I just do feel there are people here today where you're, you, you're on that, you feel like you're on that walk, that long walk, waiting for, for the promise that, you feel like he's there for you. And just to pray and, and surrender again to God and go, yeah, I, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm not going to let frustration guide me. I'm not going to let disappointment guide me. I'm not going to get knocked off track, but I'm going to continue to walk in the resolve that your promises are yes and amen and good and that I'll trust in what you have for me. 
and that you are enough for me and that you will strengthen me to continue to walk on that path, even though it might not be easy, even though there might not be an end in sight, even though it might feel like the night is dark, but to continue to walk in what he has for you and to not give up. Could we stand across this place? We'd love to pray for us. Lord, we do thank you that you are a, a God that can do the miraculous. You are a God that changes lives. You are a God that restores and heals and does all of those things. But Lord, more than that, you are a Lord and Savior that is not distant from his people, but wants to walk with them. And you don't stand off at the distance and just watch and you walk and you journey with us. As we serve you, you, you transform who we are. And Lord, you have our best interests at heart. And so for all of us here as your church today, may we realize that this morning, that we serve you, that we would deliberately set out to serve you first and foremost and trust in what you give us, what you promise us. Lord, that what we have in our hands right now would be enough, but there would be an excited expectancy for what the future holds. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us this morning that we would walk out of here strengthened in you with a deeper, more deliberate faith in who you are and what you're doing. And we pray that you would continue to mold us to be more like you. So, Lord, as we walk on this journey together, as we walk on this journey with you, may we know that you are with us. And for those of us that feel like there isn't a light, to know that light is just around the corner and to continue to trust you and be guided by you. But ultimately, Lord, we want to live a life that serves you, that honours you, that we would live a life of worship to you, surrendered to you. So as we we worship, as we sing now, may that be instilled in us. A surrender to you, the ability to know you more and have you move in our lives. We honour you and we praise you, Lord. Amen. Thank you.